0: Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. I'm your host, Eric Flickinger, and delighted to have you with us once again this week. This week, we are looking at lesson number 12. We are very nearly at the end of our quarter together, looking at being in the crucible with Christ. And this week, we are going to be looking at how we can die like a seed. So what exactly does that mean? Well, probably no better way to figure out what that means than by asking the author of the Sabbath School Quarterly and that is Gavin Anthony the president of the Iceland conference Gavin welcome back once again thank you very much so we're close to the end we've come a long way looking at suffering for christians and patience and and uh, meekness and so much now now we get down to the almost the end and we're we're told that we need to die now that On the outside, it doesn't sound encouraging, but I I would expect there's some encouraging content here. In John 12, verse 24, it says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. I think that's some of the hope we're looking for.
1: Yes, well, I think we're almost saving the best for last, Um, or at least we're saving some of the difficult stuff for last, because what Jesus is talking about here is tough stuff. Um, Now, he's talking about himself here, that he is going to die, and as a result of his death, um, wonderful things will happen through the power of the resurrection that gets passed on to us. Uh, But, of course, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, we are also called to die uh, one of my favorite texts, not because I enjoy it, but because I think it's so critical, um, we have it in Mark eight thirty four, where this is sort of a parallel to what Jesus is saying, where Jesus is saying, you know, if you want to be my disciple, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And it's interesting, I uh, when I ask people, well, what does this text mean? Uh It's very few people get to grips with what Jesus is really calling for here. I mean, there are these three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. Well, what are you doing with this cross? And where are you following Jesus with it? Well, there's only one purpose for a cross, and that's death. So where are you following Jesus with a cross? Uh, you know, oftentimes we think that following Jesus is, is kind of a burden, a heavy thing. You know, we're going to follow Jesus. It's going to be tough. But we'll, we'll grit our teeth and keep going. That's, a cross is not make, meant to make your life miserable. It's meant to kill you. And where Jesus is going is to Calvary where he's going to die and he says if you want to be my disciple you also have to go and you also have to die and so jesus is really talking about the necessity of our death Uh, but that is a tough conclusion or a tough experience to actually come to even as committed christians but it is the core the foundation of everything else in a christian life
0: so so we have to die doesn't sound pleasant, doesn't sound fun. Jesus wasn't looking forward to it himself, nor nor do we or should we, I think, from a, from a human perspective. And yet it's a necessity for the Christian and part of this, this journey through the refiner's fire.
1: Yes, um, it, it's a tough thing to begin to grasp, and I'm not sure I'd have really grasped it if God had not taken me through a particular process. Uh, at the beginning of my ministry, um, uh, one one time I we were travelling around West Africa. We did two thousand kilometres in a four wheel drive, and uh, it was amazing uh, what we saw along the way. But the last day, I got ill, and I began to shake uh, with a fever. Flew back to London, um, shaking on the plane. I remember I was I was brought. Um, Soup from from first class um, to try and do something because they were very concerned uh, because I was sick on the plane and got to London shaking a lot still my parents took me straight to the tropical disease hospital in London and they thought that I had a hemorrhagic disease they put me in isolation they were going to put me in a bubble um, but I. Uh, they realized I didn't have a hemorrhagic disease, but I was still kept in isolation for some time. Um, and as I'm lying on the bed, I mean, I'm so sick, I can hardly say anything. Um, uh, previously in a, an episode, I talked about i receiving a letter where my reputation was destroyed. Um, it was in that moment that I received this letter. And so I'm physically, you know, finished. I have this letter that I read and I mean it just goes straight to my heart. So I'm losing my health. Uh, my reputation is going down the tubes. And, and then as they're doing tests, um, I was in hospital. I, I went out after a week. I relapsed, had to go back. But then they found through all the tests I needed a pacemaker because my, my heart has two to one heart block. So I have a, a pacemaker in me. I put it in the first one it got infected in after a few days started going green I remember going into the doctor and she said okay put up your your shirt and she said oh no and um, that's got to come straight out and they in the hospital they they, they unpacked everything that they were going to go home um, before the weekend and 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 took the pacemaker out straight away and of course this is also as I referred to previously, I, I had my my job contract stopped. Um so here I was. Um I, I'd lost my reputation, I'd lost my job uh for some time, um and then I had my, my health, not just from Africa, but also the problem with my pacemaker. I was always very tired. My heart beat at like 42 beats a minute. And uh, and then after all of this, I'd been dating someone for, for some time and I just couldn't cope with everything and we, we broke up. And I remember lying on my mattress on the floor, feeling completely broken. It was like systematically... I knew God was doing something, but God was systematically going through my life and stripping me of everything that was important to me. And I lay on my mattress and I thought, I don't know how to pray, Um, but I know in Romans it says that the Holy Spirit can pray for us. So I just said, God, I know the Holy Spirit can pray for me. Will you pray for me now because I don't know what to say? The only way I can describe what happens next, it was as though Jesus walked into the room and stood next to my bed. It was just that that sensation. Um, it was astonishing. And instantly, I was flooded with this peace and joy and calm. I couldn't stop smiling. Now, I, I had been ground down over a, a long period. So this was something really unusual. And... I woke up in the middle of the night and I was smiling. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, um, smiling is not a natural state of being when you're in bed. And then I woke up in, in the morning, all the ends of my fingers were tingling. My toes were tingling. It was like jets of energy was pumping around my body without the pacemaker because the pacemaker had already been taken out. And it's like, wow, God has done an amazing thing. You know, this guy who was so sleepy um, is just bouncing around like a rubber ball. Um, But then around the same time, um, there was something completely separate. Uh, But it caused me to begin to complain. And I knew that in the context, my complaining was sin. You know, God had done so much for me but I was still irritated and angry about this other issue so I was just going to complain even in the face of God's goodness. And I knew I shouldn't do it but I did it anyway because I was irritated and you could imagine what happened next. That energy that I had over the weeks began to disappear. It began to fade away until I found myself after a number of months, about three months with exactly the same energy level I had before this experience. Well, then I was mad (laughs) Uh, because I knew God had given me this and I just knew for some reason God had taken it away and one day it was like this physical battle you know God why are you doing this God what's going on and one day I just had enough and I said I said look God You've taken away my health, my reputation, my job, my dreams of future happiness. I have nothing left. And I wasn't expecting a reply, but a reply came as clear as a bell. And God said, yes, Gavin, that is the point. I want you with nothing. And when I heard that, I burst into tears because I knew God was right. God wanted me with nothing so that he could be everything. And so often, we are so proud of what we have and what we have to offer to God. And God is saying, I wish he would die like a seed because it's only through my resurrection power that something of eternal value can take place.
0: It's not a pleasant experience. It's very unpleasant and yet something that God knows we need to experience. And the the things that need to be laid aside for different people will be different things. But ultimately, we need to be there. There's a quote from uh, Elizabeth Elliot that you share that kind of brings some of these ideas together.
1: Yes, let me read it. It's, it's a bit lengthy, but she's, she's describing the dynamics of this seed dying. And I think her description really helps us to get a handle on this. Uh, She says this, the growth of all living green things wonderfully represents the process of receiving and relinquishing, gaining and losing, living and dying. The seed falls into the ground, dies as the new shoot springs up. There must be a splitting and a breaking in order for a bud to form. The bud lets go when the flower forms. The calyx lets go of the flower. The petals curl up and die in order for the fruit to form. The fruit falls, splits, relinquishes the seed. The seed falls into the ground. There is no ongoing spiritual life without this process of letting go. At the precise point where we refuse, growth stops. If we hold tightly to anything given to us, unwilling to let it go when the time comes to let it go, or unwilling to allow it to be used as the giver means it to be used, we stunt the growth of the soul. The seed does not know what will happen, it only knows what is happening, the falling, the darkness, the dying. God's ultimate plan is as far beyond our imaginings as the oak tree is from the acorn's imaginings. The acorn does what it is meant to do, without pestering its maker with questions about when and how and why. We who have been given an intelligence and a will and a whole range of wants that can be set against the divine pattern for good are asked to believe him.
0: Gavin, we're going to continue looking here at this subject of submission, a, a, an uncomfortable subject, an unpleasant subject, a, a one that brings us discomfort as well, but an, but an important one. We're going to look at that as soon as we come back. But I want to encourage you, we are near the end of the quarter, and time is running out for you to pick up this book if you haven't already done so. It is, of course, the companion book for this quarter's Sabbath school lesson. It is entitled The Refiner's Fire by Gavin Anthony. You can pick it up at itiswritten.shop, and it will give you deeper insights into what we've been looking at this quarter going into the crucible with Christ. We're going to come back in just a moment as we continue looking at lesson number 12 about how a seed dies. We'll be right back. You know that at It Is Written, we are serious about studying the Word of God, and we encourage you to be serious as well. Well, here's what you do if you want to dig deeper into God's Word. Go to itiswritten.study for the It Is Written Bible Study Guides online. Twenty five in depth Bible studies that will take you through the major teachings of the Bible. You'll be blessed, and it's something you want to tell others about as well. Itiswritten.study. Go further. Itiswritten.study. What does the Bible say about astrology? Why do bad things happen to good people?
1: What color is Jesus?
0: If you have a question, we'd love to find an answer for you from the Bible. Line up online from It Is Written TV. Welcome back to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're looking here at lesson number 12, going through the crucible with Christ, and this one is on the importance of submission, of dying like a seed. Gavin, there are some interesting stories in the Bible that help us understand how this process works and why, even though it may be unpleasant, in the end, God knows that it's important, essential
1: for us to go through. Yes, well, first, let's start uh, on Sunday's lesson in in Philippians, uh, because this is the example of Jesus. Um, this might be challenging for different reasons, but I think what we have here is a description of the descent of Jesus in order to serve us. So let's, let's read through the text and look at these different steps. Uh, Philippians 2 verse 5, if we start there, uh, Paul says, In your relationships with one another, have the mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is the model verse 6, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So here, and this, this raises all sorts, this word raises all sorts of um, sensitivities um, and thoughts into our minds, but Paul seems to be very clear he's equal with God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to. Uh, Because by holding on to this equality, um, he wouldn't be able to come down and lower himself and serve us. uh, us. So he doesn't use this, um, hold on to it. Verse two, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. All right, so we've got, He's equal with God. He doesn't hold on to that because that would pre- prevent his descent. So he now comes down to be as a human being. But not just any human being, it's the nature of a servant. And then, uh, verse 8 and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So we go from heaven in equality with God. Then we go to him being a human being, but just not any sort of human being, a servant, not just any type of servant, but one who is going to humble himself by becoming obedient to death. And then and Paul actually at the end of verse eight. He, he kind of even death on a cross, exclamation mark. It's not just even a, a righteous, good kind of death. It's death on a cross, which was a symbol of humiliation um, of the Roman occupation. That this is embarrassing, to say the least. Uh, but this was what Jesus and heaven determined was necessary in order for Him to come down and serve us. And I think this is a this is a, a, an interesting model for submission. Because I think God calls us to imitate the lowering of ourselves, whatever that means in my context, that I can serve other people.
0: The the next verse is an interesting one. God God impressed Paul to write those verses. Then he leads into, into verse number nine. It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. So he brings him down, but then
1: brings him up exactly and and this is what we, we see um repeatedly, so the seed goes into a ground, it comes up as a new fruit bearing flower bearing plant. you know on the other side of death, there is something magnificent without death, there is no resurrection and but you know we fight against dying because what i what what's happening here what I am familiar with and used to. Uh, I, I want to keep this. Um, I don't want to give it up. The idea that there is something better going forward on the other, you know, is there even another side of this death it, to humble myself, to yield everything? It seems like the end. But as, as you said, I mean, he, he goes on here. I mean, this is just a magnificent uh, passage. Verse 9 again, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, what Jesus has done is leading to this great salvific work. Um, every knee will bow to the glory of the Father. But could it have been done without death, without utter submission? No. And if I think that I can serve other people without submitting myself, I'm probably fooling myself.
0: It doesn't come natural to us. We, we, want, to, we want to ascend, we want to excel. But in order for that to truly happen, we have to be brought low. Allow ourselves to be brought low. Uh, be in submission so that God can take control of of our lives. Uh, I've often seen the uh, the bumper sticker on on people's cars that says "God is my copilot," which which sounds it sounds great. But if you're in trouble if He's your copilot. He needs to be your pilot, because if you're if you're still in the pilot's seat the journey's not going you're not going to get where you're hoping that you're going to get he needs to be in the, in the pilot's seat and he needs to take you through and and giving jesus the wheel the yoke whatever it happens to be
1: can be difficult but it's necessary absolutely I, and i think for some of us as individuals it's going to be harder than others um, i kind of think that you know, the process I went to learn is just a picture that illustrates the depth of my stubbornness as a human being. Um, some of us might get to learn this lesson much quicker and easier. Um, and even between cultures, uh, we some cultures are much more independent and self-sufficient. Uh, and so it can be really challenging. But whatever, wherever we come from, uh, whatever our personality is like, this submission to death is absolutely essential jesus makes it abundantly clear there is no way forward without uh, coming to the point of death
0: you draw an interesting story out here in wednesday's lesson about saul who didn't submit so there are great examples of people who did and also some examples of people who didn't what can we learn from saul's story
1: Yes. So Saul is close to 30. I mean, he was made king uh, when he was 30. Um, I'm not sure exactly how soon this happened um, afterwards, but I, I think fairly soon. Um, so he's in a situation, he finds himself and the Philistines are attacking. And Israel and their armies, they're scared to pieces. I mean, the, the Bible says that they, this is First Samuel chapter 13, they start hiding in caves in bushes in cisterns pits and it says they were shaking with fear all right so the idea of this big army coming they're scared to pieces and you know just as i'm reading this i'm thinking back to what we talked about earlier with jehoshaphat what a contrast um they go out singing to battle they're hiding in pits here uh, because they're not going to god's into god's presence to find out what he says uh, now, Saul is in Gilgal, and his troops are so scared, they start running away. Now, Samuel had told him to wait, to wait for him to come, and then they would offer sacrifices. So, you know, he's looking around, he's looking at the situation, no Samuel. Um, okay, let's get ahead and and do the sacrifices. And he does, and Almost as soon as he does, Samuel arrives Um, and he says, why have you done this? Uh, Verse uh, 11, Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering." And I think it's interesting in in this translation here. Verse 11, he saw. He was looking around. Um, Verse 12, I thought about the Philistines. Verse 13, I felt compelled to do something. And I think that little, that kind of three steps um, to to get to a place where he doesn't want to be is, is fascinating. I saw, I thought, I felt. And that's where often... Um, our hearts take us to that feeling. We're not trusting what God has said. We're not submitted to God's word. I'm scared, so I'm gonna do something quick. And he ends up rushing into a place where he shouldn't be. And so Samuel says, um, okay, I'm gonna call. Uh, God is gonna choose someone after his own heart here. What a tragedy it is because he wasn't willing to submit.
0: But a lesson for us to learn, the importance of submission. You know, toward the end of our of our study this week there's a, a quote from uh, Adolf Manod who gives some interesting insight into this subject. why don't you share that with us
1: Yes, well, you know we're talking about these these horrendous and difficult challenges that come to us, and he gives a, he tries to explain them some of the meaning that might be behind this he says And if among the trials that you are called to bear, there is one that seems, I do not say heavier than the others, but more compromising to your ministry and likely to ruin forever the hopes of your holy mission. If outward temptations be added to these coming from within, if all seems assailed, body, mind, spirit, if all seems lost without remedy, well, accept this trial, shall I say, or this assemblage of trials in a peculiar feeling of submission Hope, and gratitude, as a trial in which the Lord will cause you to find a new mission. Hail it as the beginning of a ministry of weakness and bitterness, which he will cause to abound in more living fruit than your ministry of strength and joy in days gone by ever yielded. Powerful quote. Why don't you help us end this
0: time together through prayer that God will help us to submit our will to his
1: will. Absolutely. Well, as you can see, I've shared how I have struggled with this and I continue to struggle. And I think we will all continue to struggle while we walk on this earth. And so let me pray for you in your situation that we may make a fresh commitment to submit ourselves to Christ. And through that submission, then new life happens afterwards. Let's pray. Father, submitting to you can often seem risky, for you will be the one to direct our future rather than us. Teach us to trust your goodness and faithfulness. Take everything that I am, everything that we are, everything that we have, so that you and your kingdom will be glorified in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Gavin, thank you once again for being with us this week. And thank you for joining us too. We look forward to seeing you next time for Lesson 13, our final lesson in this quarter's Sabbath school. God bless you. We'll see you then.